Well, good morning. We are uh, continuing our series full of joy. And uh, like I, I said earlier this week, I'm on the on the microphone today. My voice is a little weak. I um, this uh, past week, actually, my friend uh, Lori over here, who is our school nurse, came by. Uh, my office and we were talking and she was telling I was telling her you know I got like a hundred hours of sick leave I never use my sick leave oh wouldn't it be nice to use my sick leave at some point and she said come on by the clinic we'll get you we'll get you something we'll get you sick and we were we were joking around and um Lo and behold, God answered my prayer. Uh, So I got a sick day on Friday, and my voice is a little weak today. So, um, but because we are in a series talking about being content no matter what the circumstance, I will not complain, and I am happy to be here with you today. So um, at least I have to say that because that's what I've told you to do the last couple of weeks. But we have been talking about and going through the book of Philippians, and in Philippians 4, Paul says this statement that, that we're really kind of focusing in on throughout the whole series He says, I have learned the secret to being content no matter what the circumstances. What an incredible secret that I would love to kind of grasp hold of. To be able to be content, to be able to understand joy no matter what is going on in my life or going on around me. And so we've been going through the book of Philippians trying to learn the secret. The secret to being content. The secret to being filled with joy. And so we're going to continue that this week, and we're in chapter 3, and next week we're going to uh, conclude with chapter 4. This past week I was kind of reflecting. We are about to make our annual trip to visit my uh, grandmother for Thanksgiving. We do this every year. And I was reflecting on one of the great gifts that I got. Uh, Many years ago, when I was about uh, 18 years old, 19 19 years old, um, I was driving around my first car, a Ford Festiva. Anybody ever seen one of those before? Okay, it's a beautiful vehicle. And uh, I was driving it and my grandfather, found out that I was driving my Ford Festiva and he just did not think that was acceptable. So he gave me a little upgrade and he gave me a 1988 Ford Bronco 2. Okay, Um, and it was one that he was a farmer and he was a retired farmer at the time. And it was kind of one of those uh, farm vehicles that was just kind of floating around the farm and he would use for different things. And he's like, this is an upgrade. Uh, We'll give this to you. And I think we made a deal. And I think because of for some tax purposes or something like that, I think I gave him like 50 bucks and he gave me the uh, Ford Bronco. Two. Now I was looking online and, and actually they're pretty valuable now. I wish um, I would have held on to it. However, um, I, I got this Ford Bronco and it was, I love this vehicle. And part of the reason was it wasn't like super brand new or super nice or anything like that. But um, I remember, I'll, I'll just illustrate the reason why I love this is I did get in a car accident. Um, these were in my younger years when I drove a little bit, a little bit uh, crazier. Uh, but I got in an accident and I actually rear-ended someone, and um, their car was totaled, 
And all I had to do to fix the Bronco was I had to get a new headlight because the headlight shattered. That was all that happened to the Bronco. The Bronco was fine, uh, but somebody, you know, and that's the kind of car it was. It was like it'd be scratched up and dented up and it was out on the farm and it was no big deal. And, you know, like it, it was like you just didn't care what happened to the Bronco because the Bronco could just it could just take a beating. And it was it was just kind of one of those great cars that, you know, you never got stressed out if somebody came by and scratched the side of the Bronco. Actually, if somebody scratched the Bronco, it would just make it look a little bit nicer because that's, you know, that's, that's the kind of vehicle it, it should be. It's kind of like when you wear baseball pants. You need a little dirt on the baseball pants in order to look right, but the Bronco looked even better when it had a few scratches on it. And so I love that vehicle. It was great, used it all the time. Um, and eventually, at one point in time, I thought that it was time for me to get an upgrade. And so I got something else and I bought a different car and uh, grandpa heard about it and he said, sounds good, that's fine. Just bring the Bronco back to the farm. And I did. And the Bronco, um, the Bronco still lives there at the farm. And actually, we would go back every year for Thanksgiving and, the, and visit the Bronco. And the Bronco was, was there. And one year we showed up and Grandpa uh, has, a, uh, has a gravel pit that he farms. And he would drive the Bronco out to the gravel pit and check stuff out and load up gravel into trucks. And one day he backed the payloader into the Bronco and it shattered the side window. But the good thing about the Broncos, the Broncos fine. And so he just put a cardboard in the window and just kept going. And it was no big deal. Uh, big windows broken and he put cardboard in it and it was fine. And so grandpa used that Bronco and it was kind of actually, I think, one of his favorite vehicles as well. Um, and he used to drive it around until he passed away last year. And he was um, but the Bronco still kind of sits there and we'll go visit the Bronco here this week. Um, it's interesting when you think about some of our possessions that we have in life. Now I own a nice Volkswagen Jetta with leather interior, nice leather interior, right? And if anybody puts their feet up uh, in the leather seats, and there may be some people in this room that have been uh, chastised for that, put their feet up in the leather seats in the, in the Jetta, we, we have a problem with that, right? Because, because the Jetta needs to be nice. And sometimes there's moments in time in my life where I kind of... Uh, I kind of miss the Bronco. And every time I see the Bronco, I kind of miss it because there was no stress over the Bronco. You could, you could smash up a window, you could total another car and you just needed some cardboard. And that's all you needed to fix the Bronco. And the Bronco was good to go. But now in life, it seems like uh, with my upgrades, so to speak, it's different. And it's interesting how that goes. And I am really fully convinced. I am fully convinced that there is a connection between having more things and more possessions and the trend that we see in our culture and around us that people are less and less joyful and less and less content. It's a weird dynamic. And it's a weird dichotomy that you wouldn't think would be true, but it seems as though there's some connection 
there's some connection between having more and having and achieving kind of more possessions and things and there being more and more dissatisfaction with life or maybe loneliness or unhappiness or maybe we're stressed out because somebody's got their feet up on the leather seats. But there seems to be a connection in some way. And that isn't directly going to be what my sermon is about today. But it's something I was reflecting on and something that, that Paul does share with us here in chapter 3 about having a real perspective that is different than focusing on those things that are truly temporary and truly uh, materialistic. And so we're going to read in Philippians chapter 3 and see what Paul says. Again, remember, Paul is reminding us and telling us in this book that he has the secret to contentment. He's found that secret. And so each of these lessons kind of can help us towards that end. So Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to read verses 7 and 8 to start us out. Um, I hope uh, as we go throughout the book of Philippians, please read along at home. Take some time to read it and think about it and meditate on these words in full. So so I encourage you to read through chapter 3 this week and think about it even further. But I'm going to start in verse 7. It says this. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. It's an interesting, interesting little thing that he, he, he talks about here and a principle. And I think it really does get at why he has the secret to contentment is that there was some point in time. And it seems like it's something that is different in his life at this point. That at some point in time, the things that he used to seem, used to value, used to think were significant are now not that important to him. The things that previously were almost the kind of the trophies in life, the valuable things, those things, he says, I can consider it a loss. I consider it worthless in relation to my uh, to my focus, which is my relationship with God. With uh, my what I've given up for that, which is a relationship with Christ. And so so he, he kind of gives us this picture of everything is a lost compared to Christ. And I think it's a I, I think it is a great principle as we're looking at contentment and being filled with joy that we need to understand that we can be filled with joy be, if We understand that everything is a loss compared to God, compared to Christ. So let's read on and let's kind of kind of get into it more and see what he says. So so um, again, you know, in in verse eight, he opens it up with saying, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for for whose sake I have lost all things. And he did sacrifice a great deal to say, I am a follower of Christ. Then he continues and he says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. 
Not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so, so as we look at kind of this picture that Paul gives us and we look at kind of how he views life, he gives us these principles and he gives us kind of this, this picture of earthly possessions or earthly things. Those earthly things, and he kind of, he uses the term garbage. He says they are like garbage. They are trash. They are, they are worthless compared to what is more important, and that is the relationship with Christ. He had lots of things, and he kind of goes through it in this chapter. Some of it we read. But, you know, you know he, he looks at all of the things in life that many times we pursue and seek after, and he classifies them all as garbage. And he gives us this great line, and he says, this is something that I do. I haven't maybe 100% figured it all out. I don't have it 100% nailed down, but I will say this is what I do, forgetting what is behind and looking towards what is ahead. I forget about those things behind, and I look towards what is ahead. It's, it's, it's those earthly flesh things, those things that he considers garbage that is the things that he says he's putting behind. And forgetting about. And there's lots of things in life that we could classify in that category. Lots of things that we need to say, you know what, that's something I'm going to forget about. That's something I'm going to put aside and not worry so much about. You know, I can imagine that there's, that there's times that some of us, we, we focus on regret. We focus on things in the past. Like there's, there's moments in time that we could have done something different. We could, have, we, we, we could have responded to somebody in a different way. We could have treated someone better. We could have maybe taken an opportunity that maybe our life would be better off if we would have done that. We, you know, sometimes, sometimes I think what, what gets us held up is that regret. Those things in the past. Those past mistakes. You know, there's a time where we have to say, I'm forgetting that. I'm putting that aside. I'm forgetting about that. There's always pain, there's wounds, there's scars, there's things that we have to deal with and continue to work through. Just like he says, I'm, I, I'm working on it, I'm pressing forward on it. But he says, I, I'm forgetting about some things. There's some of those things that we need to forget about. And in taking up and saying, I have a relationship with God now, and I am forgiven through my relationship with God, there's some things we need to forget there's some things we need to let go of. And if there's, there's times that we have like regret about one thing or another that we should have done one way or another, um, I think those are one of the things that we should forget about. We should leave those things behind. You know, he talks about forgetting some of the, some of the goals in the past. He has new goals now. But he talks about in this chapter, he talks about there was a point in time where he took great pride in being a, like a Jewish scholar. Like being this person of great influence or position. He was, he was somebody that was pretty important in his time and in his era. And then he converted to Christianity and things changed dramatically for him. And he was no longer kind of like had that status or esteem in some circles. 
He was he had different things in mind. And, you know, he kind of he's reflecting on that a little bit. You know, I've given up a lot of things, given up some of these some of these things that I used to hold as very important to me. I used to hold very close. Maybe maybe some of us in our life need to forget about some of the goals we used to have. Some of the things that used to be really important to us, maybe how other people looked at us. Maybe like how, how there's certain circles that like maybe would pat us on, a, on the back for, for, for goals that we would achieve. And, and he had that in his life. And at some point, he's, he's forgetting about those, those past things. Forgot about those goals and he has different goals now in life. You know, like there's lots of different things that we need to forget about. We need to forget about things in the past and press on. And this is a difficult task. This is a difficult thing. But essentially what it is, is it's, 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 taking, it's taking those temporary earthly things that sometimes we overvalue. And we're classifying appropriately like Paul does and says, those things are worthless. Those things are garbage. And there's other things that are more important. And so what is really important, you know, in this conversation, and we haven't got into a a lot of really deep psychological uh, painful things, but definitely Paul endured some of those things and still had joy. But, you know, I think that there is even a piece that plays into this with more serious things in life. Sometimes we need to we need to move forward, even true, true loss. Uh, even when we've, we've dealt with death and suffering and those types of things, true loss, there's times we still do need to move forward and press on towards what God has done. Again, I, uh, my aforementioned grandfather um, who passed away a little over a year ago, I remember the last couple interactions I had with him. Uh, maybe it was next to the Bronco with the cardboard in the window. I don't specifically remember. But I remember the last few visits that we had with him. He was, he was, he was really near death the last several years of his life and, and going doing dialysis because his kidneys were failing. And, and, and he talked to me the last several times I saw him and he, he would always say, Tyler, I've had a good life and I'm ready to go home to see God. I'm ready. I'm at peace with it. I'm ready to see the Lord. And I, I can't tell you how comforting that was for us as, you know, one of the important pillars of our family. You know, obviously there's, there's great loss and there's sadness and there's sorrow that comes when that moment when you get that phone call and, you know, the moment finally came. But knowing time and time again, uh, very clearly that my grandfather felt like he lived a good life and he was, he was okay. And being able to reflect at his funeral and say such things was, was, was something that gave great peace. And I don't want to minimize in any way or trivialize genuine, real serious loss and pain and that's not what we're trying to do and just say hey just be joyful about that that, that's not what i'm trying to communicate but what i am saying is that there can be something deeper and something that sustains us and something that still gives us joy even in incredible loss and i think the core of that is being firm in there's a god that is in control and i'm okay after this life is even over and, and so there, there is even peace in the more serious things, the more serious 
moments of loss, then we truly can say we still have joy. And, and if some of you are really have struggled with that or maybe face serious loss or serious things where you really, really put you into a place where it, it was not a joyful place for a, per, uh, a period of time. You know, I would I would encourage you to cry out and really seek God and seek that kind of core thing that is most valuable. What Paul says, everything else I consider loss. Everything else is insignificant compared to the most significant. Everything else is small, is garbage compared to the big core thing. And that thing is that relationship with God. So let's continue to read on. He has, he has some more words in verse uh, 15. Let's read what he says. He says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. Paul, that's kind of that's mean-spirited towards us. We're working on this. Don't call us immature. No, but he really does say it, it is a sign of maturity and a sign of a deep, deep-rooted faith that we think about things in this way. And he continues to say, and if only on some points you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. So he's like, well, if you, if you disagree, well, someday you'll be proven right by God. Uh, take it up with God. Um, I, I love his very matter-of-fact way of putting it. Verse 16, only let us live up to what we've already attained. Join together in following my example. And that's what we've really been learning over the last couple of weeks is the example that he says that he's been able to find this contentment. Brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enabled him to bring us everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. This is an interesting little passage because he kind of paints a distinction and really paints a difference. Uh, And he draws a comparison between the sad reality of people who don't have a relationship with God. And he does say it in a term. He says, like, hey, if you haven't got here yet, you know, you, you really need to. This is the way that you should be thinking about it. You should be following my example in this. This is the way that we should think because you're going to endure difficult things. So you should be thinking like this if you're, if you're a follower in Christ. But he said the sad reality is, and he says, it, he says he's got emotion in his voice and tears when he's saying it. The sad reality is, is people who have not come to this conclusion or haven't come to this point, this, rea- this point in time, is they have a temporary view of their existence. They're focused on the things that are not long-term, the things that aren't long-lasting. They're really focused on getting your feet off of the leather seats. That's, that's really what is important. And, and, and what happens when they're focused on the insignificant things is it's always a joyless experience. Because every, it, it's always going to go wrong. 
Something is always going to be messed up a little bit. How in the world can you expect to have a joyful, content experience when the only thing that matters is those temporary things that will go away and are worthless and are garbage? If your focus is on those things, it's going to be a sad existence and it's going to be a joyless existence, but not us. He says that an existence where you're focused on the temporary things Their destiny is destruction. So at the core of it, in the future, the end result of their life will be it ends. That's the best case scenario. If there is no God, if there is no afterlife, if there is no point to all of this, in the end, ultimately, the only end is destruction and death. And it's over. And that's their destiny. And if you do believe in God and do believe that there are eternal consequences to our actions, then, you know, it's even worse than that. Separation from God. Their destiny is, there is no path. If you have that mindset, if you're far from God and their destiny is destruction, and this is a sad state. And, and inevitably how they live their life is their God is their stomach. That's what he says. He says their God is their stomach. And understand, that's a pretty deep phrase that he's using there. Pretty, pretty, pretty profound statement. Can you imagine if you live in existence where your God is your stomach, you're moving from meal to meal, almost like only from maybe what's, what's the next party? What's the next thing to distract me from the reality of life? What's the next thing that maybe can get me altered or, you know, whatever it may be in order for me to continue to not go just completely crazy? For me to have any kind of joy in life, I'm moving from an experience to an experience, to my, my next meal, my next thing, my next, like, just, just something to take my mind off reality. How sad of a picture, and don't we see that all around us? Don't we? Don't we see all around us that there's, there's just incredible problems with substance abuse all over us, right? All around, people dying, literally dying, because their God is their stomach, right? People who are just, just miserable all week long and just, just trying to survive to get to the weekend to try to take their mind off of things. How sad, right? That is sad. It's a sad existence and it's a sad reality. And there's a point in time where the party stops and the meal is over and all that is left is we're left in our despair. And that's all that is left. Until the next something that will maybe move us forward or the next event that can get us through. And he's saying that this is, this is a recipe for destruction. This is not going to help. And those temporary things that maybe in the past I valued, they're really worthless. And he's come to the conclusion of that. And, you know, we need to be careful, people. Because even though we may be, you know, we're, we're, we're people that have settled in our lives that there is a God that we're accountable for. We've settled in our lives. We've made peace with our creator. You know, hopefully so. But there also is that temptation to kind of live our life like this. To live our life where our God is our stomach and we're moving from thing to thing to try to in, engage ourselves instead of taking the real deal. The real deal. A relationship with our creator. A real purpose in life instead of just distracting us or just instead of just trying to endure. You know, I, I, 
at the core of being content no matter what the circumstances are is having to be able to be at peace when when the party stops right having to be okay when it's not just like the most engaging thing always over and over Man, this is, this is such a fear that I have for, for the next generation of kids and, and, and like my own kids. That, like it seems as though we've, we've built a culture that is based on this kind of living, right? That I am just going to go from next thing to the next thing. And the next stimuli and the next like I'm just going to play my video game to, to get to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. God help us. Because that destiny is despair. And it won't be a, a place of joy. And, and so, so he's, he's warning us. And there might be a temptation sometimes to look at other people's lives who seem to be having such a wonderful time and envy them. And envy them and say, you know, I wish I, wish I was rich and famous, like these glamorous people that you see at parties and things like this. I wish that, that was my existence. I wish that I had these kind of experiences that, I, you know, they seem to have. And, and how sad would that be if we fell into the world where we envied something that really is considered garbage? Think about that. That's what Paul says. Is those things are worthless. Those things are garbage. Don't envy that. We should be sad looking at that. And we should tearfully say the destiny of that is destruction. And so if you fall in line and start like thinking that our God is those possessions and those things and all of that, it's really leads to despair. And I, I can't get past it. I don't know exactly how to articulate it, but I, from life experience and talking to people, I have seen there's a connection between having more things and more despair. I don't know it. I don't understand it, but there's a connection. There's a connection. And I think it's a hint right here. It's because it's kind of like that is what becomes important. It's leading to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And there's never true joy. And in the end, it says their glory is their shame. Maybe their glory is fame and fortune. Maybe their glory is the goals they have in life. Maybe their glory is just all the parties and the good times and those kind of uh, Facebook moments that they can they, they, they can put out there. That's their glory. That's the things that are important. That's what matters. And he says, you know, in the end, it's kind of their shame. And, and Paul is saying, there was a time in life where these things were important to me. There's a time in life where I had some different goals, but now my goals have been, my goals are different now. I have a different way of looking at things. And now I kind of forget about that. I forget about what's behind and I look forward to what is ahead and I focus on what is heavenward. And right now, as he's writing this in prison, which we talked about the last couple of weeks, as he's writing this, he's filled with joy. He's writing this in a terrible circumstance and he's still, he's filled with joy. So Paul says our citizenship for us for people who say we follow God and we have a relationship with God, our citizenship is in heaven. Our goal is something beyond this life. And so he challenges us to look heavenward. Um, 
I remember uh, as I was traveling one time with, with uh, my family, one of those family vacations, I know many of you are about to go traveling, we uh, stopped at a Burger King. And we were sitting there at a Burger King and uh, my wife had gotten up and used the restroom and uh, we were at a very, uh, uh, very empty Burger King with lots of workers and they didn't know what to do. So they were going around trying to figure out what to do. They were sweeping the floor, hanging out. It was a little awkward because it was like, all right, guys, uh, we're the only people in here. You don't just have to hang around our table. But this guy came by our table and was like picking up and throwing away trash and stuff like that. When does this happen to the Burger King? But it did. Um, and I was there and my wife's stuff was there and she had a tiny little corner of a burger from what I remember. But later on, she'll explain to me how I got the story wrong. But um, she had a little tiny corner of the uh, of like a burger and a wrapper and a bunch of other stuff there. And the guy came around and he's like, he's like, do you want me to throw away your stuff? And I was like, no, 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 no. And, and he's like, I was like, no, no, I, I want that. And he looked at me and he's like, you want your garbage? I was like, eh, eh. I was kind of like, the way he said it just kind of cracked me up. He's like, your garbage. Uh, and, I, and I don't know why, but I was just kind of surprised by the question. He was obviously didn't see the corner of my wife's burger that she had in there. Um, that was probably the best bite that she was saving for last. And, and uh, I said, yeah, yeah, I do. I want, <laughs> and he walked away confused. And I was like, I just started laughing to myself. And my wife came back and she was like, what are you laughing about? I was like, I just told the Burger King guy that I wanted to keep the garbage. What does he think of me? He thinks of me. I'm the kind of guy that likes to keep Burger King wrappers, that these are valuable possessions to me. I love my Burger King garbage. I go home and I just, well, I just go in the car and I just take the wrapper and I just smell the remnants of the burger because it's just, is that valuable to me? And he was looking at it like, you want your garbage? And we just were cracking up, uh, laughing about how I, in my, you know, just, um, uh, my witty self, I told the guy that I want to keep Burger King garbage. And as we look at this passage and it, it says here, Paul flips the script and he just says, you know what? The things that other people think are valuable are garbage. And guess what? I want other things. So yeah, Burger King worker, I want the garbage. Okay. And I'm going to keep that. And I'm going to keep the things that other th people think is insignificant. And I'm not going to worry about the things that some people worry about. I'm not going to focus and put my value on things that are temporary and things that pass away. I am going to focus my attention on things that are different. Because my focus and my citizenship is in heaven. So we want to keep our garbage. Did you follow all that? Uh, will you pray with me? God, we thank you for these words. And there's so many times that we focus on things that are insignificant and unimportant, the temporary things, the things that will go away. And God, we know that because we believe in you, because you have come into our lives, things change. Priorities are different. 
that we focus on the heavenly things and our joy comes from that, not from the earthly things, not from temporary things. And so our goals are different. And God, I know there may be times that people look at our lives and say, why do you care about that? But God, there's been a change that has taken place in our life and hopefully continues to take place. That we have put our priorities in something different, something else. The things that we previously said were worth were, were really, really important, we consider garbage. And now we look heavenward. I want to invite you to take some time to reflect on these words and ask yourself, are you taking a mature view? I'm sure you've dealt with incredible loss in your life. I'm sure you've dealt with times where, where it was painful and it was a struggle and you, you, you were not filled with joy. But Paul gives us an example to follow and, and words that we should be striving for that we say we take a really mature view of things. We look at the things that are temporary and we say it's not really that important. When we get a scratch in our car, who cares? That doesn't matter. What matters to me is my relationship with my creator, my relationship with God. My, that matters to me. That matters a lot. So God, I pray that we would, we would take that mature view. That we'd forget about some of those things that we need to leave behind and we would press forward towards something else, a heavenward call. So God, help us. If you struggle with despair, I want to challenge you just to cry out to God and say, God, help me to be filled with joy. Help me to have joy over the loss of these things that maybe have been important to me in the past. Cry out to God and ask God to help you. Look at things differently. Take a more mature view of things. And maybe you haven't taken hold of this 100%, but ask God to... Move you one step closer. And maybe right now, if there's something that you've been stressed out about, a temporary thing, maybe a material possession that you're worried about and you've been focused on, you need to, you need to set that aside right now. And you need to say, God, that's not important and I'm sorry for focusing too much on that. And instead, focus on things that are more important your relationship with God. So I invite you to take a moment to pray to God and confess your sins. Cry out to him and help him or ask him to help you focus on the things that are more important.